Welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. All right, James, welcome to another week of Real Personal Finance. How are you doing, Scott? I'm good. What question are we going to answer today? Do I need life insurance? Yes. Of course, right? <laughs> well, we need to talk about it. Why do you need life insurance? Yeah, let's let's think about reasons why someone would need life insurance. Um, a few come to mind for me. Uh, and, and a lot of it has to do with, do is there someone else who needs to be taken care of should something happen to you? That's mm-hmm. where it all starts. Mm-hmm. And so, so assuming that something happens to me, not a fun topic to think about, but if something happens to me, how do I, what are the things or questions I should be asking myself to figure out, do I need life insurance or yeah, not? Yeah, and just to be clear, guys, we're talking about life insurance. If something happens to you, you have to die in order for the life insurance policy to kick in. <laughs> Address the elephant in the room. So we're, we're talking about you dying, which is not always a fun thing to talk about, but it's something that you need to think about in your financial life. Mm-hmm. So here are reasons why you would probably want to think about having life insurance top of mind. Um, let's you're the main breadwinner of your family, meaning you're the one who's bringing home the money. And if something happens to you, everyone's in a world of hurt financially, especially if you have kids mm-hmm. and you're in a family where you guys are raising kids and growing up. Right, right. So if there's a, a negative impact financially upon the surviving spouse and or family. Needing insurance then. That's a very analytical way of putting it. Yes. <laughs> so that that's the first thing that I think about. Are there other reasons other than that? I think most people think, okay, if I have a family, I need life insurance. But other than that, why else could I potentially need it? Yeah, debts that won't be forgiven. Mm. So um, so like let's say you have a spouse. Mm-hmm. You have a spouse. Mm-hmm. You just got married. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you have any student loan debt anymore. No student loans, but I do All have right. life insurance. So you had student loan debt. Yes, when you had your student loan debt, it was federal debt, right? Right. Okay. Federal debt, if you die, it just goes away. Mm-hmm. Also, if you become disabled, fun fact for the day. But if you had private student loans and you died, your wife would still be on the hook. She'd be on the hook or someone would be on the hook and they would be, they're not going to forgive that debt even though I'm no longer there to pay it. Right. Someone's going to come after you to say, hey, you guys owe that money. So right. that's another reason why you would want to have um, some life insurance to make sure everyone's okay. Mm-hmm. Let's think of other reasons. Maybe you um, live in a house and you just want to make sure that the house is owned free and clear to whoever you're going to pass it on to. Another reason to have life insurance. Another reason, yeah. Right. It's really if you have debts that you want to make sure get um, paid off or you have someone that you want to make sure is financially supported, all reasons to look at getting life insurance. The other big reason that I can think of to have it would be you're in a, an owner of a business. So if James and I became partners in a business, we're not now, right? We each have our own separate businesses. But Mm -hmm. if we did, one of the things we could look at is, Hey, um, let's make it easy that if I die, you take over the business and my wife 
gets paid out for that. Mm-hmm. We can use life insurance to do that. Because your wife may not want to take over your portion of the business. She might rather have liquidity or cash that she could use to raise a family, continue living, and not continue on with the business. Absolutely. Or, and but not even or, but and, you may not want to have the spouse of your partner. Right. Walking in, asking questions about what you do, how do you run the business, why are we doing it this way? Because you guys have already built a business doing it that way, right? You don't yes. necessarily need someone who's a novice to come in and tell you how to run your business. That yes. slows down business. That's another reason why we'd look at possibly getting life insurance. So the, the simplest way of saying it is you need life insurance if someone, whether it's a business, a creditor, a family member, is dependent upon you financially. Boom. Or they're going to come to you financially for something um, in, the, in the case of your passing. So, okay. Right. So that's w- why you might need life insurance. If you fall in any of those categories, you probably need life insurance. What's the next question we need to ask ourselves when determining how to do that? Yeah. What kind should we get? Mm. And now there's two types I hear. There's term life insurance and there's whole life insurance. You might call it permanent life insurance. And now I think yep. this could be its very own question. We could spend 20, 30 minutes talking about this. But what's the simple answer just for the, uh, the listeners here? Yeah, so we'll do another episode probably on term versus whole a different time. But most people, and this is a strong opinion of both James and I, most people need term life insurance. They do not need permanent life insurance. Right. We're not going to dive deep into that. We are going to link in show notes to an article written by Blair over at Ritholtz Wealth that looks at why life insurance is not a savings vehicle. That will dive deeper into that topic. But for now, think of it this way. Insurance is all about a low probability event having a huge magnitude on your family. Right. So low probability being that you die. Not very high likelihood right? within the next you know, few years. Right. The high, what you want to call it? Magnitude. The magnitude. But it's totally disruptive, right? Totally disruptive. If you're disruptive. the only one making money for the family and you die, everyone's in a lot of trouble. So we need to protect that. Right. Right. Now, let's just break down what does term versus whole mean. Now, some people may, may know, but what permanent life insurance or whole life insurance means is you have that forever. Right. You pay premiums forever. It's typically much, much higher premiums, and that lasts until you die. Yep. Whether it's 80, 90, 100, whatever it is, you're paying that forever. Right. And that's that's like as deep as we're going to go on that today because that's perfect. Term life insurance is honestly just like buying auto insurance. You're basically saying, I know I need a certain dollar amount to protect me. And term literally just means length of time. So for the next 15 years, I'm going to have a million dollar policy on me if I die. I'm going to pay a monthly amount, just like I pay a car insurance premium. And if I don't die, I don't get any benefit from that, right? Mm -hmm. That's what makes it cost a really small amount compared to the other type of insurance, whole life insurance. Right. Because all you're doing is paying for a low probability event that has a really high magnitude. And it's something that pretty much everyone should look at if they hit any of the categories that we talked about before. Right. And I think some people, when they first hear that, their first reaction is, okay, well, what am I going to do in 21 years when my 20-year term life policy expires? Yeah. And, and so the question now becomes, how much insurance do I need? Because at some point, you may not need life insurance anymore. But earlier on, especially as you're raising a young family or even beyond that, you do. So as we ask the question of, okay, we know we need life insurance, how do I figure out how much I actually need? Yeah, so let's talk about that in, in an inter- a, a interesting way to think of this is, think of, 
think for a second, and, and this isn't actually true, but just it makes a good picture for yourself. Pretend that you're the amount of money you're going to make over your lifetime from the moment you leave college until you retire is a fixed amount that's absolutely going to happen. The moment you leave college, you have no financial assets because you haven't saved any of it into a 401k or a savings account or made principal payments on a mortgage. And so you have all everything that's left for you on that finite amount is called human capital. So there's human capital, meaning money we're going to make in the future. Mm-hmm. And there's financial capital, money that's sitting on a balance sheet if we were to go build one, right? What kind of assets do you have, like a home and a 401k? What kind of liabilities do you have, like a mortgage? Take assets minus liabilities. You get how much money financial capital you have. We'll do mm-hmm. a different episode on that a different day. When you're young, you have a ton of human capital. Mm-hmm. And you have very, very little financial capital. Your goal is to figure out how much financial, how much human capital do you want to protect and for what period of time. And as you get older, if you're saving, you're going to have more and more financial capital, right? Mm-hmm. And less human capital. And eventually, you're going to not need to protect your human capital anymore. Mm-hmm. How do you? Sense? It does make sense, and, and and so that's one way of looking at it. The other way of looking at it is just asking, what do I need? Is that right? Yeah. So that's the that's the theory behind it. And then let's look at ways we can actually go guesstimate what we need to protect. Mm-hmm. What the, there's always a general rule of thumb for this stuff. What's the general rule of thumb? The general rule of thumb is get ten to twelve times your annual salary. Okay. So if you make fifty thousand dollars a year, fifty thousand times ten, you need a half million dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fair. That's fair, but what I think it doesn't do is, is someone making 50000 at age 25 with a brand new mortgage is a lot different than someone making fifty grand at age 55 and a lot more assets and no mortgage or whatever that might look like. Agreed. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's the rule of thumb. Rules of thumb are always simple. They aren't always the best solution. Right. So let's talk about how do we actually address this. And I think what you want to do when you're looking at it more so from a needs analysis side is if something happened to you, Scott, what what would the consequences be for your family? You know, right away, just what debts might they need to pay off? Is there a mortgage? Is there a student loan? Is there other debt that they might need to pay off? Okay, right. let's right. start with an amount to cover that. Mm-hmm. You know, let's assume you have a five hundred thousand mortgage, and that's that's it. Well, you probably want to get at least five hundred thousand dollars just so that your wife could pay off the mortgage, and then they're free and clear. There's no debt going forward. Right. But the next thing you need to ask is, does your surviving spouse want to go back to work? Are they going to have any income once you pass? Would they want to stay home and raise a family or not have to go back to work? And Mm -hmm. once you start to answer that question, you get a sense for, okay, how much extra insurance do you also need just for them to live on for the next several years? Right. So you can, you, you, what you begin doing is identify what are the different needs between paying down debt, between living expenses, between maybe setting aside some just to invest so that when they're in their 60s or 70s, they have money that they can live on. And what you want to ultimately do is add all that together to ultimately come up with, okay, how much insurance do I need today to protect my family? Yes. So you're quickly getting to details that can make this really complicated, Mm -hmm. obviously. So there is a need for some analysis, and the needs analysis is one way of doing it. There are online calculators that can help you guys do this type of stuff. Just take everything, always take that stuff with a grain of salt, use more than one of them, and get a sense of what you need. Um, here's the other thing. You don't want to over insure yourself, even though it's inexpensive. Like I don't want my life to be worth so much that my wife might think about pushing (laughs) me off a cliff. She would never, she might, 
<laughs> no, she, depends on the insurance amount. But you know, you, you should insure enough to make sure that your home is sustainable to get people to the points they need to get to. It's not to create wealth in your death. It is mm-hmm. to make sure that they can move on if something happens to you. Mm-hmm. Right? Let's. Uh, what's the other way that you can break down? Um, uh, how much you need. So we talked about needs analysis. I think the other one we should talk about is human life value, mm-hmm. which is very cryptic, which basically means if you die today, how much human capital do you have in you that we need to protect? Right. Right. And so that gets past the rudimentary 10 to 12 years of salary. And you start looking at things like if you're an associate at a law firm, how much are you making now? What are you going to be making in five years? And then how do we take the the growth of your career, bring it back at some growth rate, which gets really detailed really fast because we start dealing with present value and rates of return and stuff you guys don't need to geek out on right now. But it comes back to some number that's tangible that goes, well, if you were to die today and we invested $2 million for you and we got this rate of return, it would give you these cash flows. Yes. Right? Now, do you have a preference one way or the other, Scott, when you're taking clients for this, whether you do human life value versus needs analysis? Do you do you tend to do one more often than the other? I do. I tend to lean towards human life value for clients because it typically has me, on the as far as the two are concerned, it typically has me estimate a touch more life insurance. Mm-hmm. A little more life insurance doesn't cost a lot. And it can be really helpful if something happens. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to over-insure ourselves, but you also never want to under-insure yourself. Right, right. And I and honestly, needs analysis, like our needs change constantly, mm-hmm. right? You just got married. You don't have kids yet. So what you might assume you need will totally change the moment you have, if you bring a little one into the world, mm-hmm. right? So I think um, human life value is a better way to go mm-hmm. for, for, the, for younger clients, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, and, and you bring up kind of an interesting point of with term, it's not, you don't have a set amount of needs starting today all mm-hmm. the way for the next 10, 15, 20, whatever, however many years it is. Yeah. So what is the concept of term layering? And could you explain what that means a little bit more? Yeah, this is a good segue. Because honestly, one of the things we might want to think about is, here's how insurance works. The longer you wait to get it, the older you are, the more expensive it will be. Reason, reason is, um, as you get older, you're more likely to die from yeah. an actuarial standpoint. Also, it, it, you always want to get insurance when you're in the healthiest most fit version of yourself, which is for most of us when we're younger, Mm -hmm. right? So if you can buy a really, really long, maybe a 25, 30 year term when you're in your 20s or 30s, and maybe you get a million dollars worth right now because you don't have kids yet, cool, lock it in. You just locked in a, 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 and here's the thing, it's called level term it's a term level policy. Level means the, the price doesn't change on you, mm-hmm. right? So you're locking in a payment, getting used to paying it, and it's just there. And then if we have another, if you have another child or some other debt changes or something like that, you can always just add another layer of term insurance. You have mm-hmm. to go through underwriting again, and you have to choose another dollar amount to get, but you can stack insurance on top of itself, right? So right. I can have, so for myself, I can have, you know, $2 million a term now, and then 15 years from now, one of those terms can drop and I'll carry a million dollars a term. Because like I said before, as we get older and we save money and we have more money on our balance sheet, we don't need as much insurance. Mm -hmm. So I could get married. I could buy a 30-year term today, for example, to say my wife is protected for the next 30 years. Right. Then I have a couple of children and I want to say, okay, well, maybe I need another half million, whatever it is, but only for 15 years. Because by then... 
maybe it's not needed or maybe just for 20 years. And so yeah, it's a concept or, of saying like 20 or 25 so that you have them through college. Yeah. So they're right? protected until they're in college. And so the concept is have the term policy for as long as you need it. But once they're in college and once they're financially independent and on their own, I don't need insurance to protect them anymore. That's been done for the first 20 years. And so term layering says you don't need to just say, how much insurance do you need today and carry that same exact amount forever? You could identify the needs both today, five years from today, 10 years from today, 20 years from today, whatever it is, and purchase different term policies that begin to fall off over time. So decreasing your coverage, decreasing your cost as you grow older, as you're accumulating more assets, as you're paying down mortgages and things like that. Yeah, exactly. So, so again, it comes back to human life value and financial capital and looking at when you need it. And, you know, we may have uh, – this is it, – it's a kind of a boring topic sometimes. We try to make it exciting for us. Um, but here's the thing. So maybe we've, fun. Peaked, maybe we've piqued your interest and now you're like, okay, cool. I need to look at insurance. Then you go, oh, hold on a second. I already have life insurance through work. I'm good. What do you, yeah. what do you think about that, James? Well, you have it through work, which is great. But let's assume that you have let, – let's just assume, which you probably don't. But I'm going to assume that through work you have enough coverage to fully support your family if something happened to you. I'm going to guess that most people don't. Most people don't, but I'm even if guess, they did. But I'm just going to give it to you straight. On average, what I see is that people get one-time salary or two-time salary. Mm-hmm. Almost so always. nowhere near enough. But even if it was enough – what happens if you lose that job? You know, let's say you have a million dollars to work and that's going to fully cover you, but you lose your job. Well, sometimes that insurance is portable, which means you can take what it with it? you. Yeah, okay, thank you. If it's portable, what it means is now your company will no longer pay for it, but you can take it with you. You just begin paying the premiums instead of your company. Right. So that's great. If it's not portable, though, and you lose your job and all of a sudden there's, you, you, you maybe, I don't know, there's a health event or you're uninsurable, you may not be able to get that term life policy or any life policy uh, to protect your family. Right. Now, that was making the assumption that you were fully covered through work, which you're probably not. 99% of the time, you're not fully covered just using the policy that you're going to have through your employer. Yeah. So what you need to do in addition to that is, is almost view that as a bonus. That's, that's nice, but you also need to make sure that even if that's not there, do you have enough for your family to be okay? Because number one, it's not going to be enough coverage. And number two, even if it is... The second you leave your job, it may not actually go with you. Yeah, so I fully agree with what you're saying. I will add to it this. A private supplemental policy gives you the flexibility in your work career in the future, right? Getting it while you're young and having it locked in, if you want to start your own business, if you want to become a consultant, if you get laid off, if you just decide to take a sabbatical, for a long, well, an ex, a sabbatical meaning you quit and then go get another job elsewhere. <laughs> Not a sabbatical through work because then you'd keep your life insurance. But if you decide to just quit for a year and then go try a different career, you're covered. So, and it's inexpensive. This is like one of the most inexpensive planning tools we have to help protect families. So, right. it's totally worth getting on your own. What's a ballpark number that people should expect to get? I mean, people think insurance is it, is it hundreds of dollars? Is it a thousand dollars? Is it you got a policy? I mean, it's tw- you could get one for as cheap as 20, 30 bucks a month depending so on I, how much coverage you want. So I think I will tell you that I and I don't know, uh, I got mine when I w- when before Lucas was born, he's 7 now. So I would have been in my early 30s. I was in shape, non-smoker, and I for a 2 million dollar policy, I pay $90 a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I got mine at age 29, also $2 million policy. And I think it's about $60 a month. Well, you're in better shape than I am. So, well, and you were younger. <laughs> I was younger. Yeah. And better looking. Well, this is no good. Okay. Let's <laughs> move on. Um, where should people go 
to find term insurance. Yeah, there's a lot of great options. And you know, you can, if you have an insurance agent, you can go there. But oftentimes, they're going to try to sell you a permanent policy or a whole life policy rather than term because they make more money. So if you just want to make sure that you can get a simple, straightforward quote, there's a bunch of resources online. I think we talked about Policy Genius as being a great resource. Yeah, it's I mean, easy to use. You can have a quote in an instant. And you get it from a bu- – they're running quotes against a lot of different brokers. That, that's the thing. They're running a lot of different quotes with a lot of different brokers. So it's not just what will this company quote me or what will that company quote me. They'll show you. What do all the different companies quote you? And right. so you'll be able to compare those and kind of see what the best, the best policy is for you. Great. Okay. So we'll link uh, to that in show notes. We'll link to Blair's poly- um, uh, article in show notes as well. And anything else for today? No. Go get life insurance. It's cheap. Okay, yeah. So we, I think we answered your question, do I need life insurance? If you have to leave it to, money to leave to a creditor, if you have kids, if you're a principal you know, income owner, or if you have a partner in a business, right. you might want to think about this. Yes, yes. Awesome. I think that's it. Thanks, Scott. Great. Have a good one. You too. Thank you for listening to episode number 14 of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. We hope you're enjoying the show. And for a list of the resources or the notes from today's episode, please head over to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co. And if you're enjoying the podcast and have not yet done so, please leave us a review. We would love to hear what you think and it would help more people to find our podcast. And finally, if you have a question that you'd like for us to answer in a future episode, then head over to the Real Personal Finance website. Again, that's realpersonalfinance.co. And there'll be a section on the bottom of each page where you can submit your own question that Scott and I will answer on a future episode. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. It should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.